0: Now I can go with the Charlton Heston voice of God somehow. (laughs) uh, It's always a thrill to be able to come back here. Uh, It's neat, of course, with the staff, and Brandon appreciated it so much. And Brandon appreciated it so much. You guys need to get some other names on staff there, all right? Uh, John, great worship, and I've known Jonathan Wim for a long time, and uh, the Miller Man. All, All the gang that you have here is a wonderful staff, and it's a wonderful church uh, I saw out in the lobby the uh, uh, groundbreaking, and I, I believe Wendell Cox, was he the first minister here years ago? I just spent three days with Gary Cox and some other fellows, uh, Wendell's son, down at, in, in the Tampa area on a, a board where we're on called Blessing Ranch Ministries. So it's it's great to, to know the South End. I got to see Joe and Little Ward. I knew them three churches and 30 years ago, so... It's amazing. It'd be nice to people because you're going to see him again sometime. But to come together in the family of God is just a wonderful opportunity that we have. And today I want to dive right in and kind of get to the point because uh, Brandon, in saying what he wanted us to, to talk about and focus on today, he always is great about just saying, well, you know, just kind of what the Lord's putting on your heart. Here's where we've been. Here's where we're going. So I'm going to recycle from about a month ago what I had the opportunity we were in a series on Proverbs called Word to the Wise. And I found through the years, uh, how many wish you would have made better choices in your life at times? Okay. Now it's real bright up here, real dark out there. So everybody could have put their hand up. I wouldn't know. But there are, uh, there's so many times that I wish, Lord, I, uh, I wish I could just have remembered some of the things in your word and operated in that rather than make a little more of an impulsive decision. So what we want to dive in on is what I would call the power of godly trust because when you and I learn to trust God and move in that direction of following him that's when we really begin to understand where wisdom is and not leaning on our own and that's really the verse as it'll appear probably on the screen there in a moment from Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6 there's uh, this it feels like you're at vacation Bible school or a church camp when you hear this verse. Because it ought to be worth at least 25 points for you to, to memorize this. And it's, it's simply, uh, as it appears, would you say this together out loud with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In other words, he's going to take care of the things. It's a very simple strategy. The strategy that we have is trust wholeheartedly all that you have, put all of your trust in God, don't be self-reliant, don't lean on yourself, consistently acknowledge Him. Now let me talk about that for a moment, because when you and I begin to consistently acknowledge Him, we can just run through this verse sometimes, okay, God, I'm trusting you, okay, with as much heart as I have, okay, I'm not leaning on my own understanding, Uh, all right, I'm acknowledging, oh, are you really? (laughs) Are we really acknowledging the wisdom and the truth and our trust in God? Because at this point, it moves from being private in our heart to being public, acknowledging him in all of our ways, and then he'll straighten out our paths. I love that verse. I love what Larry Osborne, a preacher out in San Diego, says, you need to always remember it's true, God will straighten out our paths. He says, because this is what God, God does. He draws straight lines with crooked sticks. That's me and you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the most crooked stick I've seen in a long time, okay? <laughs> you see, I've made a lot of bad decisions, <laughs> and I've, I've, I'm just a crooked stick out there trying to say, God, draw a straight line with me. It has that Romans eight twenty eight feel that God's going to work together all things together for good for those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose that way we got to read beyond sometimes that though in verses 7 to 10 we won't look at it but if you did uh move ahead a little bit you'd see that God says no self-obsession I'm going to bring healing and strength if you trust me Uh, I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of if you honor me with your wealth he goes on and says if you'll give me the first out of 10 apples the best one you got acknowledging me for who I am he says then in verse 10 he says I'll Make sure that your barns are filled with grain and your vats are filled with wine, which seems like kind of happy hour to me. God says, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. But I don't know how things are going in your life right now. I I don't know, and I have found at times I need the words of Jesus to remind me that I've got to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. I love that old hymn that we just sang. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. And boy, is it sour when we don't. And we all have some regrets in our life. And I think today I just want to encourage you, as as my brothers and sisters here in the the South End, or what, uh, Fairdale has an identity of its own, doesn't it? You know, it it does. It's it's very unique. Every church does, every area does. And, And as you grow and as you begin to continue to reach, other people, and as more people feel safe to come back to church, what God is going to do is what he wants to do with every church, is to make it look a little bit different next year and a little bit different the next year, Oh, very similar, but when we allow him to reach other people and bring them into his kingdom, and God does that heavy lifting and we're just telling them about him and loving them as best we can and holding on to his truth, then it's amazing what he will do, and he's already done some amazing things in this church and he wants to do even more. But if we would add Jesus's words to the Old Testament teaching of trust in the Lord with all your your heart, Uh, I would like to add from Mark 11. Now, to set up this passage, uh, the triumphal entry has already happened. Jesus is in town. All the roads are leading to the cross, and he has one conversation, one event after another. He comes up to a fig tree with his disciples. He looks, sees some leaves, doesn't have any figs, and he curses the tree. It's kind of an odd thing. You just don't see Jesus going all Harry Potter on something, you know. But he, he just has this moment, uh, and he's going to make a point of that, and uh, says, this, this tree's never going to have any figs ever, you know, because there aren't any. You're looking like you got some, but you really don't have any. I'm done with you. And the next day they go by, and Peter comes up, the other disciples, the, and they realize, if you, you kind of understand the passage, they realize that what he has done is he's really cursed the tree top to bottom. He just didn't put it on a downward spiral. Oh, for the next three years, you're not going to have any fruit. Oh, no. They look and they see that this tree is cursed all the way down to the root. And they're amazed at what he's done overnight. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to teach them after they have this question about the fig tree that happened. In verse 22, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen, have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you receive it, it'll be yours. But when you're praying, first, forgive anyone you were holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now think with me just for a moment. He's just done an incredible event that people are wondering, how in the world did that happen? And now he's telling them that they can speak to a mountain and it will move and it will will leave uh, if they speak to it uh, in faith. And then he mentions that the problem sometimes might be forgiveness. Because sometimes forgiveness in our heart is what keeps us from really trusting God. Amen? That's what happens. Have you ever seen a mountain be moved because you trusted God enough? I would venture to say that even all the, through the years here at Fairdale, it's been a tremendous one mountain after another that God has done in your lives and in your fellowship. But the time that I think it probably caught me most off guard was when we were in Las Vegas. And that's where we were in 93 to 99 before coming back here to Southern Indiana, where I married in in Scottsburg years ago. My wife's from the area, but we've been at New Albany there since 99. 99. And God has moved all sorts of mountains, but the one that he moved in Las Vegas was incredible for us to watch. Just before we got there, they knew the, the church was growing where we were at and uh, or where we were about to get to, and it was growing to the northwest uh, and, this, and the southeast part of town. Now, the northeast part of Las Vegas, if you're familiar with that, that's Nellis Air Force Base, and that ain't moving, so you're not going to grow. Don't need to plant a church out there. There's some, several already. And the southwest wasn't developed yet. But these people who were in the center of town decided, we think God is calling us to reach more people than we're reaching. And they knew that back then, it's going to have to probably be, since the city's growing there and growing there, they're going to have to have a presence. So they get Mike Bro, great fella, and he leaves uh, Lexington to come on out after he had followed Wayne Smith out there. And and he, he goes and plants a church in the Northwest. And they know they're going to plant a church in the southeast and maybe even keep the one they have. Now, I tell you all that to let you know that it was this amount of trust. They had no idea where they would put a church. They had no building plan, no program. But they asked their people to come, about 300 of them, and commit the next three years of giving without a place, without a plan. Just saying, God, we don't know, but we trust you so much. We think you want to reach this community more than you've reached it before. And Lord knows... Las Vegas needs reaching, okay? And what they did was a big step of faith and a big amount of trust. Now, they didn't realize the mountain was about to be moved, though. So the only place they could get together was a, a casino called the Hacienda that was cheap enough and had a big enough room to have a big banquet and, and, and yet have a meeting. And at the Hacienda, in the big meeting room, they prayed right there that God would as they committed their money, as they committed their faith, their future, their willingness to reach out to people, uh, they said, God, please guide us and direct us and, and move the mountains that are out here surrounding this, this uh, area so we can reach people for the kingdom of God. Well, we come on out there and we see, that, okay, we're starting to get ready to this new building. And they decide to implode the hacienda in the next three years. So they blow up the place where they had met and prayed at And we finally find land, except it's in what's called a wash out there, a real deep place. You've got to get land, you've got to buy a lot of dirt to put in there. And we found out that we could get the land for free from the Hacienda where they had prayed. And if we can get it there, move it on over. And they built a church with the same dirt (laughs) that they prayed on in Hacienda, at the Hacienda. Now Central Christian Church is built on that same dirt. And I remember Gene Apple saying, only God. And several semi-truckloads can move a mountain a little bit at a time. And it's, it's always coming down to trust. Jesus said, if you have this trust in the Lord with all your heart, it doesn't matter what kind of circumstance you have. But let me suggest today a few things that we struggle with. Some reasons that our trust struggles. Number one is, I think we have a misunderstanding of Jesus and God sometimes. Sometimes we've grown up in the church and yet we we forget what he's really capable of doing. We forget those omnis, remember the omniscient and the omnipotent and the omnipresent, meaning that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he is everywhere. Uh, I mean, don't think, oh, he's in the rock, he's in the tree, be careful, don't, don't walk on him. No, no, he made all those things, but he's here. David says in the Old Testament, if I go to heaven, you're right there, and if I die and I'm waiting for my soul to, to head that direction, you're right down there. I could run from you, God, but I can't hide. And sometimes we just need to remind one another that God is able and capable and willing to respond to our prayers. He can do anything that he wants to do, and he invites us to ask he invites us to trust. I remember in a movie years ago, and anymore with copyright laws, you can't really play a little movie clip, you know, you get in trouble. So let me explain it real quick, all right? Tom Hanks in the movie Joe vs. the Volcano, it had a castaway feel before castaway, if you remember that one. Anyway, he has another situation, and he's out on a raft in the Pacific Ocean, and he thinks he's going to die, and all of a sudden, the moon comes up and rises over the Pacific Ocean. And in the movie, it is breathtaking. It is huge. It is ominously just incredible. And here he is, dehydrated. He can't hardly just lay there. And when he sees the, the moon and how beautiful and how big it is, he gets up and he's wobbling and he lifts his hands up to heaven. <laughs> and he, he just literally says, Oh God, thank you for my life. I have just forgotten how big you are. You see, sometimes we forget the omnis. We forget God is capable of healing and strengthening and bringing relationships back from the dead and bringing hearts back together and softening the hard-hearted uh, people that might be around us that have nothing to do with God because they've been hurt or they've been confused so many times. And we have to restore. I, I-, I love that song, I stand Amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Anybody know that? And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song will ever be see we just need to stand amazed in his presence and then be willing to move i think sometimes we forget first corinthians 13 verse 9 paul says as he's in this love chapter he says hey we only have a partial view here our knowledge is partial and it's incomplete we can't see everything that's going on i think sometimes we forget like the people at emmaus the two fellows in luke chapter 24 they're walking along with jesus and they say are you the only guy who doesn't know what's going on here and he's raised from the dead, and he hasn't disclosed who he is, and, and they're saying, yeah, there's this guy named Jesus, and man, we had hope. They literally say, we had hoped he would be the Messiah. We had hoped he'd be the one who would come and rescue Israel, and all of a sudden, it says that Jesus began to explain why the Messiah had to die, not beat up the Romans, and on this road, all of a sudden, they hear him talk, but their hope was that That They had a wrong hope. They thought God's going to deliver us right here and right now from political oppression. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, don't confuse, don't get mixed up on what I'm doing here. I'm doing something far beyond that. Sometimes we need to look at 1 Peter 2, where we see how Jesus modeled what it's like to really trust, and and it simply says that when they had hurled insults at him on the cross, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Today, we we get to entrust our life, no matter what you and I are going through, and say, God, even if we're going through such a very difficult time, we entrust it to you. What happens if we don't? Well, if we don't entrust our lives to God, if we say, God, I'd rather lean on my own understanding and come to think of it, I don't really accept everything that's in the scripture here. These are just ancient writings and need to be dusted off and put away. If you come with that type of apprehension of either atheistic or agnostic, which means nobody can really know, and I hope God grades on the curve, and he doesn't. God doesn't grade on the curve, God grades on the cross. And whether we're in the shadow of that cross. But if if we don't believe him, then we kind of fall under the Romans 1 description. It says, yes, they knew God, people long ago, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. I think it'd be safe to say we live in a very dark and confused world today. The world says, trust the science. Are you kidding? Who can trust the scientists, you know? And which one do we trust in this whole thing? Trust the government? That's a whole challenge. We can only really trust God. And to sum it up, I I would say, and this may be a little odd for some of you, but I I think one of the problems in the life of the church is we have too much Backstreet Boys theology. Now, let me explain, okay? all right. Not against boy bands or anything like that. But if you look all throughout Scripture, you'll see God talking to Noah, saying, Noah, I'm going to have to do away with the world because you and your family are the only ones who believe in me, and I'm going to start over with you, Uh, and eventually I'll, I'll kick in with Abraham, but I'm going with you first. And he says, here's how you build the ark, here's how you do this, and God just simply says, in the spirit of the Backstreet Boys, I want it that way, he just says that. We probably won't use this next service, Brandon. I don't think it'll fly. You could go all through Scripture, and he tells Moses, here's how you're going to deliver Israel. And the problem with Moses and his backstreet boys theology was when God said, here's how you're going to deliver them. I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. And he says, I won't hit that way. Here's Moses. Tell me why. You know, he whines to God. Thank you. Three people got that at Northside thanks for at least a few more and this is the early service Oh, we're going to keep this one all right <laughs> if, if you think along with me just for a moment all throughout scripture God's saying here do this do this I want it this way and the children of Israel in the wilderness manna wasn't enough I don't understand why manna was not enough I remember a restaurant years ago Don Pablo's and I think they all kind of fell apart but they had the best soap peas soft and easy with honey, sometimes they had with butter rum, I'd say, hold the butter, you know. No, just, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, eventually they'll get that. But the soap as as best as I understand them described, God says, I'm laying out soap every morning for you, except on the Sabbath, and take a, a double portion in, because I want you to rest, but I don't want you to work. I want to provide for you. And they say, we want to go low carb. They say, we'd rather have quail because it tastes like... And they whine and they just simply say, tell me why, why do we have to do this, God? Every time I have trusted God and then all of a sudden said, tell me why and confronted God with a little bit of mistrust. Now, he can handle that and he can work through me processing my fear and my doubt. But if I stay there, if I never come out on the other side yet will I trust him and say along with Job, though he slay me, though he take everything away from me, yet will I trust him no matter what. And that's the faith that you and I need to have. That's the trust that you and I need to have. And that's how we need to encourage one another to make sure that when God says, I want it that way, we say, let's go that way together. I think another reason is we have a lack of recollection of his promises. I think sometimes we just forget. In Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you're going through right now, he will never leave you. The question is, will you leave his side? But he'll never leave you sometimes when you and i feel like he is so far away so distant from us and we think he doesn't seem to be anywhere around me and as soon as we do it about face oh you're right there he's there all the time no matter what sometimes we just forget we forget isaiah 26 he'll keep you in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed upon him and thank you guys for being people who come back and come back next weekend, and come back the weekend after that, and remind a few other folks tuning in today that that's okay. You can wear those short pants and t-shirts that you're in. You come ahead anyway. Leave the bunny slippers at home, you know, but don't worry about that. And we got coffee. We need to find our way back to fellowship and encouragement with one another as much as it's safe, and if it's not, God knows that and understands that. John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, you don't want to forget this. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble. Don't be overwhelmed by that. Be overwhelmed by my love, he says, because you need to take heart. I've overcome the world. Sometimes, I think, it's not just a lack of recollection. It's sometimes we lose our sense of direction. How many have a pretty good sense of direction? Okay, you can kind, of, kind of point that yeah, uh, I, I didn't grow up on the farm, the house fell in the year I was born, so we moved to town, but yet five miles out we had 400 acres, we had to cash rent and, and work, and 500 head of hogs, so I'm back and forth, so I'm a Saturday in the summer farm kid, but never out in it. But my dad, he, 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 he's a farm kid, and uh, uh, he's in a nursing home up in Scottsburg right now, and uh, he'll be 97 next month. Oh, what a blessing. It, it, he's he's just awesome. Thank you. He's awesome. And I was hanging out with him yesterday. They have a little uh, gas station there called Casey's. And you can get uh, some good little cookies and this little that. Something sweet, something salty. Uh, he loves salt. He's asked to salt bacon before. I said, Dad, there's plenty on it already, you know. Uh, but I get to hang out with him and love every minute that I can. Every once in a while, he can't remember. He may think once in a while that I'm his older brother, but he pretty w- well knows uh, oh, George. Oh, yeah. Oh, how you doing? You know, it's just a little, little foggy at times, but I, I'll take him foggy or clear anyway. way I can take him and hang out with him. I have found the butter pecan covers a multitude of sins. Oh, oh my. You never show up empty handed, the Old Testament says, and when you go to visit Dad, if he's a little disoriented, he's a little frustrated, he's a little tearful, I'll say, here, Dad, hold this ice cream. Okay. Yeah, and he, he's, he's good to go. He's good to go. But if he were right here with us, I'd say, Dad, which way is north? He'd he'd point right to it, up (laughs) bear. He just got it. He hadn't lost his sense of direction. He's lost a few other things, but the sense of direction. And sometimes I think we get confused on what direction we should go. That's why in Proverbs 14, Solomon says, there's a path. There's a direction before each person that seems north, that seems right, but it ends in death. And we just somehow need to recover that direction of our life. For some of us, and that's why I love to see you guys have some small groups, not only great worship time, but, and I see you got table groups going on. I love table groups, man, because nobody has to clean their house on a table group. Oh, that's awesome you hang out and be together and encourage one another and and we just started a thing called finishing well uh for people 55 and and over for some reason they thought i should help lead that i don't know why i'm getting my kicks on route 66 this year so i guess that's why and we've started that and we had 300 people show up the first night and we're just trying to keep them headed in the same direction so that we finish well together and do what god has called us to do it's a matter of the direction A final thing that happens that messes with our trust sometimes is our faith may not be, it it might just be in our faith and not in God. I've had many people through the years say, you know what, if it wasn't for my faith, and I understand what they're saying, that's partially true. But sometimes we need to go beyond my faith because my faith is my faith. We need to hold an anchor on to God and say, "If if it were not for the grace of God, I know I wouldn't be here. If it were not for his mercy, I know I wouldn't uh, have what I have. uh, If it were not for his graciousness to me, I wouldn't have this chance to be able to come and share and encourage and us be able to come together and worship him. Now, if you think just for a moment, as I kind of wind this part down, and you always know when a preacher says, and finally, or in conclusion, you know what that means. It doesn't mean a thing. It it means we're trying to land the plane, and we're trying to get there. But as we kind of come around into the home stretch, if you'd reflect for a moment on that Mark 11 passage we read a little bit ago, and think with me where Jesus is telling his disciples that they can move mountains if they have faith and if they have trust, and yet he says there's a qualifier to mountain moving, and he talks about forgiveness from the heart. I think we need to know three things. Number one is that faith speaks to the mountains in our life. Your faith right now may see some of the mountain. You, you may say, George, I wish it was only one mountain of, of difficulty that I would have right now. I got a whole mountain range right here in front of me, okay? And you may be in that situation that right now in this season, there's a mountain. There's mountains in my life, you know. I'm, I'm torn a little between generations, you know, uh, I fly out in a couple of weeks to go see our daughter who's a missionary in Romania, and she hadn't been able to be home in six years, and we haven't been there in a couple of years, and, and uh, uh, she uh, she works with uh, Roma, which is uh, the formal name for gypsy families that are really poor, and, and that, that's a tough gig, It's hard, it wears you down really quick, and I just want to be a dad, go over there and hang out and be with her, and Hang out with the grandkids a little bit. But for us to understand that you may have a generational mountain of your kids, of aging parents, of your health, of your wealth. But we're to speak to those mountains with trust and with faith. And knowing that God has us on the right path, that we're going to honor Him no matter what. We're going to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. We're not going to say, God, I need to take care of this mountain over here so, so you're financially on your own, God. Well, there's a lot of people who can cover that. Or uh, i got to spend all my time over here. No, you don't. We have to balance that and make sure that God gets that first part of our heart and our life. So that we, with His wisdom and our trust, can speak to those mountains in our life. Faith speaks to the mountains to be moved with his power. Faith believes God can move them, but faith also forgives. And sometimes that forgiveness might just be the final frontier in your life. And I would just simply say today, if there's if there's a, a relationship that you need to offer forgiveness in, Jesus said, if you want the mountains to move, let the first mountain move of the resentment in your heart. Does that make sense? It's hard. It's difficult. You and I have to defuse that bomb, and the only way we can is by releasing somebody from not being perfect and refuse to hold them hostage any longer. The Greek word to forgive simply means to untie. So today, if you and I are going to trust God and watch him move the mountains and watch him use the Fairdale congregation here in the south end of Louisville and all throughout the world and do the things that he wants us to do and uh, allow him to move the mountains in the lives of other people, it will begin by making sure that we're not holding someone else hostage because they weren't perfect. It means that we will forgive because there will come a time in another person's life when they will say, I need to be saved, I need to be delivered by God in some way. I, I love the story in Acts 16, where it's about the Philippian jailer, and it says uh, if you know the story here, this earthquake has happened, and and it's been a uh, a moment where he and Silas are in jail, and they've been singing songs. All of a sudden, uh, all the jail the cell doors are all open, and, and anybody can take off and the, the the jailer from Philippi. He's not a believer. He's just a guy doing his job, and he sees all the gates have swung open. Everybody's going to leave. He and his family will be embarrassed. He'll be executed, and he decides, I will spare my family that embarrassment. I'll take my own life, and it'll appear like some of the inmates killed me, and at least I will die with dignity rather than uh, embarrassment on my family. And he pulls his sword, and all of a sudden, Paul says, along with Silas, Hey, 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 wait a second, wait a second. We're not going anywhere. And he looks at them and he sees that they're not going to take advantage of this opportunity to run. They are more concerned about him and his safety than they are their freedom. If you and I want to reach people apart from God today, it will be because we will lay lay aside our comfort. And we'll listen and look for the people that are desperate. So what this jailer does, he just simply... Brings them out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Place your trust in him along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and he washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household are immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house, set a meal before him. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed God. You see, God wants us to trust him so much that we'll lay aside our comfort and our freedom sometimes to help someone else come to that point of trust. That song that we ended with a little earlier, though, at the end end of our worship time, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I want to ask you just to think through those words, if you wouldn't mind, and not so much to sing them, because they're they're easy to sing. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. I remember all those hymns growing up. Dun 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 dun. dun. Anybody remember them that way? And you're just a kid on the back row. You know, just remember all. That. I always wondered about some of those songs too. Why would we sing a song like "Oh Happy Day" that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God? That's not happy at all. And then we'd sing, let's all be turning to hymn number three, twenty-two years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my, oh, that should be the happy song and that should be the sad song. <laughs> However you sing it, it's important to live it and realize that it is so sweet to trust in Jesus and just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know saith the Lord, Jesus Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus Jesus precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust him more. We ended with that song a few weeks ago at Northside and I just repeated that oh for grace to trust him more Oh for grace to to trust him more. Would you sing that with me? Oh, for grace to trust him more. We got to keep singing that song because tomorrow I'm going to need more grace to trust him more. And when I approach the next mountain in my life or my family's life, I'm not going to say, I got this figured out. I know what God wants and I will lean on my understanding and most of his. I will have to say, oh, for grace Grace to trust him more. May we be people who trust him with all our heart. And we don't lean on our own understanding. Think that we've got it all under control. That we acknowledge him publicly in all of our ways. Not just privately on the inside. And we let him draw straight lines with us crooked sticks. All the while asking for more Grace trust Him more. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for letting me be a part of.